Hi, my name is Thomas, and I am going to tell you a story. It's both a new story and an old story. If you've been listening to the Oa Oligur, you know that the characters often reference myths and legends of Oa that inform their culture. So, a friend of mine suggested that I record some of them, for those of you who are craving a little something extra. These stories will be short. They aren't necessary to follow the Oligur, and like all histories, they might not be exactly accurate. But if they sound familiar, it's because deep down, your heart knows the truth of them. These are the first histories. 1. Anrana and the World Long ago, there was nothing. And soon after that, there was Anrana. Anrana entered the nothing and filled it with space and time. Her hair was the fire of the stars, her eyes the twinkle of the planets and moons, and when she spoke, she spoke the sun into being. Yet Anrana was lonely. She had no company but that which was familiar to her, but most of what was familiar was far away. And so she sought to make a more perfect version of the familiar, a holier world brimming with divinity, where no one could feel alone. There were stars and planets and moons now, and though they were great and small and of every color imaginable, all were lifeless. And what is a place without life? What is life without minds? And what are minds without souls? As fortune would have it, all the keys to life were already stored within Anrana's body. The hieroglyphs of verdancy, the invisible instruction of the fertile earth. And so Anrana made of her heart the world, and the world poured forth from her like blood from a wound. But this act would be folly the first, for just as Anrana bore the seed of life within her, so life became Anrana's charge, her errant child, her endless chore. Like something forever changing in weight and dimensions, she tried to balance the world upon the fulcrum of reality and this impossible task demanded her attention without abate. At first, she took to it with the spirit of fresh challenge. She melted glaciers to fill lakes, only for whole regions to flood, and she would laugh, carve canyons to drain the seas, and lift spines of ice into the cold sky. In this manner, she was alone with the familiar for quite some time, traveling the land and sea, casting continents out of the god's stone, and tearing volcanoes out of the faults and fissures. And for a time, she loved it well. But it was vast, and with life it became only more so. Forests warred against grasslands, serpents warred against whales, civilizations of this kind rose and fell over the span of centuries. And as the first people, the Echnica, pulled themselves out of the earth, Anrana was visited by a solution to her first folly. Revelation the first. Let there be gods. The world was too complex for her alone to manage. Anrana made Olgar from gold, silver, and gems, all that which was most pure. And he was a man whose eyes ordered stillness, 
with a complexion of carved marble and mirrors. Anrana made Dura from hot iron and snow, that which was forever in flux, and he was a man from whose hands fell invention, with a countenance so strange and ugly it commanded love. For ages unknown the three of them ruled over the world, and they called it Oa, and it was all. But the world was still in chaos, and the Ecnica turned against each other. The gods were horrified, and each one developed a plan to stop the bloodshed. Anrana made the first magic, and taught the Ecnica the ways of conjuring. This she did so they might create as she did, and make their homes wherever they traveled. Olger made the first totems, and taught the Ecnica how to pray. This he did so that they might look to something greater than themselves, and find order above their bloodied cudgels. Finally, Dura made the first horrors, and taught the Ecnica to band together against them. This he did so that they would choose a common ally against a common enemy, and build strength out of community. Those that took to Anrana's teachings left their mud huts and rode horses across the country, taming the wilds with iron and witchcraft, and their descendants were the Thars, and Thassa was their tongue. Olgers favored learned magic from piety. They built temples around their totems and built the first cities around their temples, and their descendants were the Olgen, and the language of prayer became their script. And those that survived against all odds, by wits and hope alone, with little magic and less faith, they were the Kalians, and though they had no great gifts, they thrived and multiplied across the land. But the Ecnica's wars only worsened, and the divisions of lineage and temple served only as kindling for their endless slaughters. Anrana was dismayed beyond measure, but neither she nor her counterparts could devise a solution. The rot of exhaustion ate at Anrana's chest, and finally, to defend herself, she allowed an ice of apathy to cover her heart, and this was the start of the Frost Age that few survived. She retreated from the freezing world and into the arms of her companions. For a long time, the gods cloistered themselves away from the long winter. Anrana made a secret place for them, and she consumed herself with divine flesh. It was here that Olger fell in love with Anrana, for she was chaos, and all he wanted was to anchor her. But Anrana sensed this and shrunk from it, and made very sure to only give Olga a part of herself, never all. It was here also that Anrana fell in love with Dura, whose imagination was as endless as it was ingenious. She watched him craft marvels in isolation, and the rime of frost melted from the world to make way for them. While Olger was fascinated with Anrana, Dura was most fascinated with the world, and Anrana always loved Dura without requite. Nevertheless, over a hundred thousand years they all three mated and produced progeny. From the union of Dura and Anrana there came countless, new species of bird and beast, monsters, dragons, foul creatures, and spirits more beautiful than humans could dare to grasp. From the union of Olger and Anrana, there came five gods in their parents' image. But Olger and Anrana were opposites in nearly every way, 
and their children's dominions were likewise divided. Yabash Matir governed victory and defeat. She was the morning star, and all warriors learned her name. Karash Burcha governed poverty and wealth. He was the upended hammer of justice, to whom peasants and nobles prayed alike. Badishkar governed destruction and rebirth. They were the burning ash tree, always with a different face, and both funerals and baptisms were theirs. Bak Yashil governed art and nature. She was the eye of storms and the storm of eyes, and balladeers and wild folk loved and feared her in equal measure. And Keru Char governed knowledge and the unknowable. He was ink smoke over a pyre of scrolls, and scholars supplicated themselves before him. Of course, he goes by a different name now, and commands a darker purview. Though Anrana could never make Dura love her, she could not bring herself to love Olger either. But she loved her children with Olger, and they loved her back. And at last, at last, she did not feel alone. She thought the three orders and the five dyads were, together, perfect. And so, eight is the holiest of numbers. There was still the problem of the warring humans, who had now divided into tribes forever at each other's throats. But Anrana could not stand any more heartbreak, and she no longer wished for her family to rule so directly. She wanted a new home, far from her cold haven from the Frost Age, but equally isolated, where she and her five children could while away the infinite days. So she and Olger, who would do anything for her, created the icons out of stardust, ichor, and mountain stone, and the icons would rule in their stead. They were a species of giants, god-kings, but not quite divine. Dura hated them, but kept his tongue. The dyads mistrusted them, but the icons were quite pious and promised to rule in their spirit. Anrana loved them, of course, for anything and anyone that would promise peace was welcome. None of this is likely to be true. It happened long before the first rune was carved, long before we made words of ink or scratched symbols upon animal hide, and Ker Uchar teaches us that truth must be recorded, or else it ceases to exist. But even a made-up story is better than void. What is known true is that the icons were terrible. But that is a story for another time. These are the first histories of Oa, a companion series to the Oa Oligur. The show is written and created by myself, Thomas Constantine Moore, and our theme music is by Joe Mendick. The Oligur will return in March, and voting on episode 4 is closing soon, so don't forget to go to thomastellsastory.com next and make your voice known. Thank you for listening. The sun still shines. The wind still blows.